The Atlanta Falcons have been eliminated from the playoffs, so we're going to examine how it happened, what big decisions are coming, and why Falcons fans should have some hope for the future today on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. You are Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dude, your daily podcast for NFL and college football scouting, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? It's guys, me and dudes here on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. We're the Draft Dudes. I'm Joe Marino from Locked On Bills. He's Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins. And we are your NFL experts here with you daily to talk team building across the league. The Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'd like to thank you for making Locked On NFL Scouting your first listen every day. And a big welcome and shout out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, we appreciate y'all being here very, very much. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat over 50 infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com and use code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. That's Jace Medical, J-A-S-E medical.com. Joe, Atlanta Falcons here, a team with a head coaching vacancy. And we have a few of those mm-hmm. and we may get a few more, who knows, but at the very least of the teams that we know up front are being eliminated. Uh, this is the last team that we will currently have the conversation about making decision with the head coach and direction. Um, so the Atlanta Falcons are our subject today. If you are unfamiliar, we go through what went wrong this season or how we got here go through key decisions the team is facing this offseason, and then we put our optimism hats on at the end. So how did we get here? Kyle, the Atlanta Falcons were 7-10, and 10, right? And they were in it really into the end of the year in terms of the NFC South. And mm-hmm. there's some really low-hanging fruit here on how we got here, and I'll, I'll, I'll save that for you. But one thing that I want to point out is how this team – had the easiest strength of schedule in the NFL. Mm. The easiest. They're only games against playoff teams. Packers, Texans, Lions, and Bucks. That's it. The easiest strength of schedule in the NFL. And they went 7-10. and 10. It was time for the reset, right? I, and, and I think I'm going to lean into Arthur Smith. I think it was a make-or-break season for Arthur Smith. And I think this team, what's interesting about Arthur Smith's tenure, I think it is it 7-10 and 10, three times in a row? Yes, it is. They're probably a 7-10 and 10 team that didn't even deserve to be 7-10. and 10. Like th- these, these teams were always statistically quite poor in terms of what type of output they had, but somehow they got to like seven wins. It all catches up at some point. I didn't. You didn't have the right head coach, and you didn't take advantage of a make-or-break year against the easiest schedule in the NFL. Well, and I think there's also, um, when you look at how we did get here, beyond Arthur Smith, and I think you can look at Arthur Smith and his tenure as head coach, and you can see some uh, contributing factors to the team maybe underachieving uh, in Arthur Smith in general. He, he, I don't know Arthur. I've never met Arthur. But in the press conferences and from afar and and kind of having to know all of the relationships that head coaches for all 32 teams have outwardly, 
Arthur Smith kind of struck me as somebody who um, felt like he had an answer for everything. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say he he didn't take accountability for what was going on with his football team, but there was always an explanation. And at some point, like it's just got to start with me mm-hmm. and I need to do better. And you can say that at the podium, but depending on what else you say at the podium, it doesn't necessarily make me believe that you believe that. And that's kind of what I got from Arthur Smith, especially down the stretch this year. It's like, okay, like, and I'm not talking about the week 18 getting mad at the Saints for scoring a touchdown thing. Uh, just as this season went along in Atlanta, they get the four and four and they're four and six and they get back to 500 and they lose two more. And it's just like that, that roller coaster. You're watching this team try to get through the adversity and, and have the breakthrough and not get it. And I never felt like Arthur Smith had the, um, the right tone within talking outwardly about his football team. And in year three, that's a problem. And in year three, they went into it with Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke as their quarterback options, right? Which a fatal flaw. It's a fatal decision, right? You, it was right there. It was ripe to try to make a, a move at quarterback. You've passed on quarterback opportunities. And I mean, that's a hell of a way to go down, right? Like Desmond Ritter, Taylor Heineke, make or break year. Like that's silly. That's silly. And you're the 26th scoring offense in the NFL. Your red zone offense is atrocious. 29th. You only score a touchdown 46.8% of the time. And it's not because you don't have good enough offensive line talent. It's not because you don't have some really dynamic skill players. I think you got to fill in the blanks a little bit with the skill players, but your head coach and quarterback, it's the two most important parts of an NFL operation. And it's not good. And also, this this team twenty eight turnovers offensively. That was twenty third in the league. They were minus twelve in point different or turnover differential on the season. Yeah, that's not a particularly good recipe. Worst uh, from a uh, protection standpoint, quarterbacks were sacked forty times. That's seven percent of their total dropbacks as a team. Um, Desmond Ritter. That was one of the concerns last year when he got into games and played. And I I think you can point to not just the decision to maintain Desmond Ritter as the incumbent starting quarterback after the short stretch he had at the end of last year, but the fact that where did Desmond Ritter get better? And I think that's the the Mm. biggest thing for me is it's not just Desmond Ritter. It's Kyle Pitts. It's Drake London. It's this offensive lineman regressing the way that they did. These guys are blocking for Bijan Robinson who led the team in touches. And I know Tyler Algier was like his pet project and got a ton more run than he probably should have based on what they invested in Bijan Robinson. And this team, despite being third in attempts this season, averaged 4.1 yards per carry. They brought everybody back. How is that possible? They, there's a lot of talent on this team that did not take a step forward this year that I think made this the easiest decision that Atlanta could possibly make. Yeah, I love that the stagnancy of the offense, despite a lot of talent, that says uh, that says a lot. I want to talk about the defense here for just a second because I think there's some good and some bad here. Eleventh in scoring, tenth in yards per pass, ninth in yards per run. That seems pretty good. But and you, I think you had some good veteran additions to your defense and Jesse Bates and David Anyameta and Calais Campbell. Like those were good good additions. Mm-hmm. Um, but you had some problems here as well. I, I would point to two of them. First of all, you mentioned the turnover differential. 
second worst in the NFL. And that's not because they turned it over. They had they had their fourth fewest giveaways in the NFL. They just never took it away, Kyle. They only had 16 takeaways on the season. Eight games this season where they didn't create a takeaway. That's it's when football in the NFL, man, it's a it's a lot about giveaways and takeaways. And you just didn't take away the football. And on top of that, I think you mentioned the stagnancy of some of the player development on the offensive side of the football. How about on defense? Day two picks that they've made on the defensive side of the football from 2020 through 2022. So not the rookies, but guys that have been at least second-year players. Troy Anderson, only two games played this year. D'Angelo Malone, only three games this year. But then you look at guys like Richie Grant and Arnold Ebichetti. You know, I don't think that they have taken the steps that you're looking for as day two picks on top of Marlon Davidson, who was a high pick who's not even on the team anymore. So they've made these moves to get these veterans for their defense, but it's the young talent really outside of probably AJ Terrell, the player development with young players on defense hasn't been there either. They stabilized it with a good, I think Ryan Nielsen was a good hire for DC. They had some veterans that helped them, but between not getting takeaways and those your your biggest investments that you've made for defensive help in the draft on day two, it hasn't really come together in the ways that it needed to for this defense to be very complete. Yeah, I think you can look at that edge group too where Calais Campbell and Bud Dupree are tied for the team lead in sacks with six and a half. Calais comes in at 37 years old. Bud Dupree outsnaps Katie by about 400 snaps. And I got yelled at in the preseason when Miami played uh, the Falcons and Katie was lighting up like the Dolphins' third string tackles. I'm like, well, that's a starting caliber player. And they're like, well, if you look at the depth chart, he's not a starting player. He's he's the second string player. And I'm like, all right, well, I'd be willing to bet you get through the season and he plays 50% of the snaps. I was wrong. He played 34% mm. of the snaps. Arnold mm. Ebicady did. And he's mm. a half a half a sack off the team lead in sacks. I understand maybe you got some concerns about his early down play and playing the run, but you mean to tell me this guy's a half sack off the team lead? And Bud Dupree, who we know exactly who he is at this stage of his career, is getting more than twice the amount of snaps that he is. It's a tough sell for me. Yeah, yeah. it's a really tough sell for me because that's the whole point of you draft these players with the intention to develop them, but they do have to play to some degree to develop. But you're at this intersection where he had two seven and ten seasons, so they probably they feel the pressure to win. Yeah. So they got to play the guys that feel like have the higher floor in an all around role. So now you're not getting your players with ceiling a chance to develop because you need to win and then you don't win anyway. And I'd be really leery about some of this talent. You know, I, I think whoever they bring in is going to have a lot of talent to choose from, a lot of young talent to choose from as far as who to keep and who to not keep. But if they make schematic changes, some of these investments yeah. may be sunk. Yeah, I've thought about and that. And that, that's tough. Yeah. Uh, well, Grady Jarrett missed eight games as well. We should probably point that out here yes. in, in this part, but I think that's probably the only big, you know, like injury that sunk. You feel like was like, man, that was a problem for the team, right? Missing out on a big time talent. I think they were, they were pretty healthy otherwise, but all right, we got to talk about the decisions here coming for the Atlanta Falcons. A lot of interesting things to dive into. So stick with us, but folks, I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of life, but we can be real here for just a moment, if you will. According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. That's pretty scary. I can't imagine a more hopeless feeling or helpless feeling than if my wife or my daughter were to get sick while a supply chain issue kept them from having the life-saving medication 
that they needed. Well, thankfully, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics that treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, skin infections, and other items. So check it out. This stuff can happen to any of us. So visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. That'll be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a local pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. Folks, you got to check out Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the funnest, most exciting, easiest way to play daily fantasy sports. I love the format. It's just you against the numbers. It's not you against thousands of other players, including the pros and sharks. It's just you against the numbers. Here's what you do. You select two or more players. You pick more or less in their projected stats, and you place your entry. That's it. It doesn't take long. You can make an entry in under a minute, and then when you win, the withdrawals happen super quick. I love all these sports right now. I love them even more when I have a prize picks entry going into a slate of games. It just makes it that's much more exciting. So go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash NFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. So let's talk about what the Falcons have to do this offseason. And it starts with the head coaching gig. Um, Terry Fontenot will remain. At least it's been reported that he is going to be a part of the coaching search for the new coach in Atlanta to replace Arthur Smith. And the good news is, if you can find somebody who knows how to call an offense, (laughs) you're going to be in relative striking distance to draft a quarterback. Mm -hmm. They have the eighth overall pick. Mm -hmm. And you've got Drake London and B. John Robinson, Kyle Pitts, and a really good offensive line. I think that's the most maddening thing when you reflect on the Falcons. Y'all should have been a lot better offensively than the roller coaster that they were. They either got under 250 yards offense and turned the ball over three times, or they had 400 plus yards offense like every other game. It's crazy. So they're that stabilizing factor and not having the erraticness week to week. They have the infrastructure to bring someone in and have success fairly quickly. The question is, what kind of background are you looking for in your head coach? Yeah, it'll be interesting to find out, right? Uh, they've went, Dan, the last two coaches, Dan Quinn and, and, of course, Arthur Smith, you would feel like they'd want to get a bright offensive mind that can get a young quarterback and pair him with the young talent and the offensive line that they have and and let that kind of take off. But we'll see. I'm sure they'll cast a wide net. Um and there's a fair amount of teams out there looking for head coaches right now. Uh, but there's a lot of things attractive about this spot. Um, and I think part of that is the decisions that they have to make this offseason. They don't seem overly daunting to me. Uh, let's get into the cap space. They have $37 million in available cap space, 16th in the NFL. But I'm sure you've looked at it. The opportunities to create more cap space abound. Yeah. Plentiful. Um, restructure candidates, Jake Matthews, you can free up nine and a half million, Chris Lindstrom, 9.1 million, Jesse Bates, 7.9, David Anyamata, 3.6, Caleb McGarry, 4.6, Grady Jarrett, 7 million. You have some good cut candidates here as well. Johnny Smith, that'll free up six and a half. Lorenzo Cardo, that'll free up 3.75. Mike Hughes, that'll free up three. Taylor Heineke, that'll free up six and a half. You have 
nearly 40 million and we can get you another we could we could push 100 million in cap space here uh to really add talent to this roster and and make the moves that you need to so i think this is an attractive spot for a head coach and i really like their opportunities to be flexible with their cap space come out have you seen uh, i have a confession to make i have converted to over the cap okay i believe you've always been a pro over the cap individual i go i go to both i go to so, both. so, yeah. so do i for different yeah. things I, I'm leaning real heavy this offseason and over the cap.com. Okay. If you're not familiar, that, that's kind of the, the salary cap website uh, that kind of outlines uh, along with spot track. They're two great resources for different reasons, but over the cap, if you go to over the cap.com slash restructure, have you seen this site, this page? Uh, no, it goes over the basic restructure and the max restructure, which includes oh. like void years and stuff like that. Make it real easy, huh? Potential for all 32 teams. Okay. The Falcons with a basic restructure, if they, they were to basic restructure all of their available talent, which is players that have high salary numbers in 2024 with multiple years left on their deal, because that's how you do a basic restructure is you take the salary, you convert as much of the salary as you can into a signing bonus, and then you prorate it out across the remaining years left on those players' contracts. So a guy like Jake Matthews has a $15 million salary and several years left on his contract. So instead of $15 million cap hit that pays out on a weekly check, you make it a one $15 million lump sum, and you pay that against the cap over how many years he has left on his contract. Yep. You do basic restructures for the Falcons. They go from 21 to uh, $70 million in cap space. With just a basic restructures, Joe, they can do max restructures and get to 110, which is putting void years on the back ends of deals. And that's before you cut any players either. Yeah. The world is their oyster. They can do whatever they want. That's not the case for every team. Right. Uh, Say, for example, the New Orleans Saints, just because they're negative 82, their max restructure opportunities put them at like, 40 million dollars in cap space so not every team's going to get to that stratosphere but the falcons are one of those teams that is going to touch nine figures in cap space if they wanted to and they probably will do it as they go to ensure that they're not doing things they don't need to but they're blank slate well and they so they have cap, plenty of cap space right and i'm sure you've peeped this list of expiring contracts does any of it concern you is there any player that you're like, oh man, how are they going to get him back? Are we going to be able to get, you know, Cordero Patterson and Bud Dupree and and Albert Huggins and Calais Campbell back? Like, well, there's and just go over the age of these players too. Bud Dupree, thirty one. Calais Campbell, thirty eight. Mac Hollins, thirty one. Trey Flowers, twenty nine. Okay, he's in his twenties. Michael Pru- Michael Pruitt, thirty two. Like, who cares about any of this, right? Like Eddie Goldman, 30, like Felipe Franks, 20s. Yeah, there, there's, I guess they, they took a flyer on Jeff Akuda. You want to bring right. him back, bring him back on a, a reasonable deal if you think he's capable of having the breakthrough that made him a top five pick when it was all said and done in the first place. But yeah, there, there's no disposed players or expiring contracts here that I'm losing any sleep over whatsoever. There's a couple of players that I think in terms of extensions, they could think about if they want to get, you know, like an early extension, a guy that expires next year. 
uh, whether that's AJ Terrell or Drew Dahlman. I know Drew Dahlman might be a scheme specific type center, so might want to see who the offense uh, offensive coordinator is going to be or who the head coach is going to be. But he's been a, he's really developed into a nice center for them. In addition to, of course, AJ Terrell, if they wanted to get ahead of any of that, and then of course their fifth year option decision is Kyle Pitts, and it's ten and a half million dollars. To me, that's a that's a yes. Yeah, as long as you use Kyle Pitts the way that Kyle Pitts's potential dictates that he's capable of being used. And and I mean, but like you're seeing like what guys like Cole Komet are getting out there, what Dawson Knox got. Yeah. You know, like, come on, 10 and a half mil for Kyle Pitts. I'll take it. I'll take it. All right. So that's the the overview of the decisions that are coming for the Atlanta Falcons this offseason. In a moment, we're going to shift to all positive. Why Falcons fans should have hope for the future. We've teased some of it, but we'll get deeper into it here. So stick with it. But this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. Therapy helps you find your strengths so that you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It's just not for people who have experienced major trauma. So if you've been thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire. That'll get you matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made and visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOn. The good news for the Atlanta Falcons is you have a lot to work with. We've established that from a salary cap space standpoint. We've established that from a a talent and recent investments standpoint. Kyle Pitts, top five pick. Drake London, top 10 pick. Bijan Robinson, top 10 pick. The offensive line, uh, which is all under contract for next year already. Uh, If I were to stay on the personnel side of the fence, uh, I think about the only thing that went definitively right for Atlanta this year was Jesse Bates. Yeah, outstanding season he had. Uh, I think the rest of the team had two interceptions, and he had six by himself. Is that he right? led the team in tackles. Wow, that's that's a crazy interception stat. There was some team that I was watching this weekend that going into Week 18 they had four interceptions. What team that was? It, it completely escapes me. But they had two in the game. I was like, oh my god, they got up to six on the year. It's incredible. Yeah. To me. Richie Grant and late Nate Landman were the only other players with an interception on the season. And Man. Each had one, so no no corner got a single pick for the Falcons this year. How's that? Possible? And Jesse Bates got three quarters of your interceptions on the season. How does a tip pass just not get to a corner at some point? Oh, you face like six hundred passing attempts in a season. You couldn't get. That's incredible. Yeah, that's like that. That's that's like the. Do you remember the Chiefs? I don't know, like fifteen years ago, that none the of the receivers, receivers didn't catch no. touchdown pass. How does this happen? How does this happen? Right. <laughs> Same kind of deal. No corners caught an interception all season long. Well, that'll no, law of averages. That's coming up next year, right? You're going to get some corner picks for sure. Um, you stayed on the personnel side there, and I think, I think for what they're trying to do here, and we kind of already alluded to this. Your offense is ready for the right quarterback, right? Like to me, you have the offensive line. I think you have the weapons. You need to fill in the blanks with the weapons. I think that's, you know, like a, a third receiver, another tight end, you know, like a, something like that. But just fill in the blanks and get your quarterback. 
And you have so much infrastructure that exists already offensively that makes me really, really excited for them. They're, uh, the, the, the challenge out of that, though, is what avenues are you exploring to find said quarterback? I'm calling because, the Atlanta Falcons. I'm calling the Chicago Bears. That's going to be one of the biggest things I'm going to do, call about Justin Fields. Which, um, if they're willing to accept not a first-round pick for Justin Fields. 43? I think that's, 43. Really exciting, that's a really exciting potential does that okay so if that's if that is your ideal route and it's worth acknowledging justin trained in the atlanta area for a while he originally was with the georgia bulldogs right so that that's uh back to old stomping grounds for justin Fields. so that could make sense for him as well um what direction are you going with coach if you want to bring in Justin Fields to be your quarterback with this offensive weaponry. You're with Justin Fields, you're not going to lean into the Shanahan people, right? That's not going to be the path. So like the Bobby Slowicks of the world are not going to be a great choice. Ben Johnson's the name, right? But like everybody wants Ben Johnson and he only can be the head coach of one team. But I think you got to make yourself available for that. I think that's the type of coach that would make some sense to me. Mm-hmm. Pretty exciting combination. Call, calling Todd Monken? Okay. You know, like what yep. happened there in Baltimore? Yep. Like, I mean, yep. these are the types of names I would consider. I know Eric Bieniemy is going to be a name there that people will, you know, be interested in considering. So there's, they're going to have some, I, but Bobby, this isn't a Bobby Slowick spot for me, right? Like that's, that's not what I, the name that I would be invoking there. How about Dave Canales? He's kind of gotten hot lately, right? With mm-hmm. the, the Baker stuff and yeah. Divisional familiarity there. Somebody like that. That offense stylistically, I think makes sense. Yeah, there's there's candidates, but it's not the same three buzz candidates I think are at the top of everybody's list. No, right. You so we, we like we talked about the cap space. Be excited about that. You have endless resources in terms of cap space, and their draft capital looks really good. Uh, they have right now picks 8, 43, 74, 79, 109, 141, and 202. And when you look at the draft capital power rankings, I'm sure you've seen this on Tankathon yeah. where they take the, the value of each pick that you own and they add up, you know, who has the most draft capital in terms of according those to the points. that was the uh. Jimmy Johnson, I think the Jimmy Johnson model where the first overall pick was worth like 3000 points. Well, they've got the eighth, eighth best, eighth highest uh, draft capital in the power ranking. So you have resources and you have a decent infrastructure and you're getting a new head coach and you play in the NFC South. Like that's, that's worth talking about, right? You just had a nine win division champion. You have also the worst team in the league in two and 10 Panthers. What are you worried about? The saints? I mean, what, Come on, the right. path to this division. There's no, there's nobody that's owning this division right now. It's and the wide law, open. And the law of averages element of like turnovers are not predictive year over year. Yeah. There's variance there. It really like negative twelve point dif- or turnover differential is bound to improve unless they just give the ball away abundantly next year. They'll get more turnovers defensively than what they did this year. Um, all of those luck elements that we we don't like to acknowledge are a part of the game. 
Uh, but there are luck elements that there's things you can control and things that you cannot control. And sometimes the things you can't control don't break your way. 100%. I think some of that went against Atlanta this year too. Um, all of that sets up for, and oh, by the way, they have a third place schedule next year. Very good thing. So not only do you play in the NFC South. That's pretty good to start with. Two against the Panthers, two against the Bucks, two against the Saints. Your opponents, uh, you play the AFC West as your AFC conference. You play the NFC East, so you get Washington and New York. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then you also get third place AFC North team is Pittsburgh. You get... Wouldn't that be uh, Cincy, right? Is it Pittsburgh? They... Oh, yeah, that's right. They put three teams in the playoffs. That's yep. right. Wow. Pittsburgh. Okay, that's fine. Uh, and then there are other Carolina, the Raiders, the West. So uh, their you- NFC West team is Seattle, which the alternatives being, the I think, the Rams and the or the 49ers is appealing and attractive for Atlanta. And then their NFC North opponent is Minnesota who's continuing in transition and arguably is worse off at quarterback, depending on what Kirk Cousins looks like than uh, what Atlanta is. So your playoff field teams that you play next year are Dallas, Philly, the Bucks, the Chiefs, and, and that's it. And the Steelers. Okay. There you go. Reasons for optimism. There you go. That is going to do it for our debrief of the 2023 Atlanta Falcons. I'm Kyle Krabs. He is Joe Marino. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Locked on NFL Scouting. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Make it a great rest of your day. We are out of here.